Father, you deserve all of it. All the praise, the glory, and the honor. You deserve it all. You deserve it all, Lord. It's all the glory. Yes, Lord. Talk to him, family. Talk to him. Talk to him. He's good. He deserves it all. It's okay. Be free to thank him for all that he's done. One thing as you as you sing, I, I was this came to my mind as we were worshiping of how sometimes we think the Christian life is God is trying to make cookie cutter Christians. And everybody has to speak the same way, and everybody has to walk the same way, and everybody has to express themselves the same way. And what I'm telling you, he's trying to make you more like Jesus. What that means is he's going to take your personality, he's going to take how you walk, how you move, and he's going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So some of y'all are going to be more expressive. I'm just saying as an expressive type. Some of y'all need to be free to be expressive of the goodness of God. And others of you need to just meditate right now. And it's okay to be who Christ is redeeming you to be. He has a plan and a purpose. And our response in his kindness is to say you deserve it. Oh, Father, and as we continue to move forward in this worship gathering, thank you for your kindness towards us I thank you for your grace towards us I thank you for the strength you get us some of us didn't have the strength to get up and get to this gathering today but because your Holy Spirit was yelling and giving us grace to move you gave us the ability to walk here you gave us the ability to drive here. You gave us the ability to maybe catch some transportation. Lord, you gave us the ability to be here to experience your loving kindness. And so our response is, you deserve it. We worship you today for who you are. You might not have done what we wanted you to do this week, but you still deserve the worship. Some of us need to worship in anticipation of what God has not done, but he's able to do to make you more like Jesus. So you deserve it and we worship you today. Lord, you say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom in this gospel. And I pray that you would help us to experience more glimpses of the freedom of the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That maybe today areas, even I, I, I need to see this, areas in my life, Lord, where maybe the gospel might not be experienced as good news. May I understand, may we understand how glorious the gospel is to even those hidden areas that you want to surface today. Spirit of the living God, move in our midst to amplify the glory of Jesus Christ in our eyes, before our eyes and our hearts and our minds through your word right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated if you're, as we get ready to get into the word here. It is an honor to, to be here, family. Um, I asked Pastor Mo if I can wear my customary hat as I do as a Piff LA, and he says yes. So I, I hope it's okay if I have my fitted on. 
Um, <laughs> I pray, I pray that uh, this broken vessel will still permeate the word of God for the spirit. Amen. <laughs> so Pastor Mo, thank you to the, all the all the elders or Pastor Richard, who's also on sabbatical. Y'all have some amazing pastors. Let's give it up to God for the elders of this church. Amen. Amen. Um, I know the the angst that Pastor Mo experiences. We oftentimes uh, uh, commiserate. We try to do that in the Holy Spirit together. <laughs> uh, and so it is an honor to be here. Uh, greetings from Los Angeles, California. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to be out here. I greet you. I wish my wife Fatima should... Uh, we were trying to get her out, but our four kids, my parents were traveling, and so we really didn't have... Uh, Someone to watch the kids. So um, hopefully she'll be able to get out here. It's, it's a pleasure to be out here. Let's go ahead and, uh, if you will, if you're able, if you can stand with me, we'll read John 7. I think customarily y'all stand here for the reading of the word to honor it. Is that, is that right? All right. So um, if you could do this with me, since it's a somewhat shorter passage, we're going to be at John 7. Turn in verses 37 through 39. As y'all do here, we'll be in the Christian Standard Bible. Um, if you'll read together with me, can we try that? Y'all read together? It's good to hear God's word together. So on the count of three, let's start reading John 7, 37 through 39. One, two, three. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out. Jesus had not yet been glorified. Amen. The word of the Lord. Praise God for his word. Y'all sound good together too. Y'all know that? It's like y'all do this all the time. Father, as we um, sit under your word, I pray that you would give me the grace to make your word plain, not just my opinions, not just a, a soapbox, but what saith the Lord. And so that's why we open this text, because it's your word, and we believe that your word is sharper than a double-bladed sword. It knows how to do the business in us that we need done. And so I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, give us hearts to hear, and feet to walk in light of your word and this glorious gospel. Thank you for this time together in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, the main theme for us, if you're going to grab onto one thing, uh, is that Christ alone can quench your deepest thirst, okay? Christ alone can quench your deepest thirst, all right? When, when, when you, and it, I got any marathon runners here or people that exercise profusely? I got a few maybe. I like to use marathon illustrations even though I don't run a lot, but I think they're, I think they're powerful. So when, when you run a marathon or exercise significant amounts, you break a sweat, Right? Sometimes when you're moving a lot after a sermon, you know, you'll break a sweat. <laughs> right? And so when, when you sweat, you lose salt. All right? When you lose salt, um, that's electrolytes. You lose the ability to continue to endure in ways that you need to. And what do you need? You have to drink and take some electrolytes. In a heavy marathon, if you just stuck with water beyond something that's longer than 30 to 60 minutes long, you'll drink the water, but you'll just get bloated. 
What you need is you need electrolytes. Because electrolytes replace the sodium, the salt, and all the things that you need. In other words, Gatorade had it right when they said back in the early 90s, Gatorade is, thirst, is the thirst quencher for that deep down body thirst. Y'all remember that? Some of y'all may, if you're born in the 2000s, you may not know, but go look for it. They had that Gatorade. They, they knew that, and they said, look, you need something to quench that deep down body thirst. And see, here's what the thing is, is if you're going to quench your deepest thirst, you need to be drinking from the right source, okay? Family, life is full of intensifying marathons today, and the spiritual thirst is increasing all around us. People are thirsty. We're thirsty. We're trying to figure out how do we engage this growing intensification where I, 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 one counselor said it this way, it's normal to have about 5% of your day in fight or flight mode. Y'all know what fight or flight is? When, when, when someone comes at you and you've got to respond real quick, that's fight or flight. She estimates that today about 80% of our daily life is in fight or flight. Do y'all feel that? And it's become normal. And so we're, we're so anxious and the thirst are intensifying because the marathons have intensified. At least if they weren't before, they were being intensified in our eyes in different ways. So there's some deep thirsts that the world has today. In fact, the Barner Group did a survey, and this is what they found in their survey. Though religious affiliation and church attendance continue to decline, along with biblical literacy and doctrine as well, spiritual openness and curiosity are on the rise. Across every generation, in fact, we see an unprecedented desire to grow spiritually, a belief in a spiritual supernatural dimension, and a belief in God or a higher power. Being from the L.A. area, I often would take that God out of there and put the universe or the higher power. See, because spirituality is intensifying because the marathon is crazy, but we're further divorced from further biblical understanding of who the, th the thirst quencher is. So we're going to be running, and, and oftentimes we get spiritually bloated. And so this is what we're going to kind of get into. See, it's, this is because whenever we lose sight of the one who can actually do something about our deepest thirst, we go after things, people, and places that God may have created for our good, but was never designed to satisfy that deep down spiritual thirst. See, Jesus wants to engage this tendency in our life and for those around us today. Y'all ready to dive in? Jesus wants to deal with the deep down spiritual thirst that has intensified today. And so when we look at our text today, looking at the background, the, the Gospel of John is interesting because it paints a picture of Jesus masterfully engaging spiritual thirst. See, go to, go to, if you go to chapter 1, verse 18, flip or scroll with me to 1, verse 18. Look, look, look how John begins by laying how Jesus masterfully engages our spiritual thirst. He talks about Jesus' identity and his purpose. Look what he says in the beginning. This lays out the flow of the gospel according to John. He says, no one has ever seen God, the one and only son, who is himself God and is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. 
In other words, from the jump, John is making it plain that Jesus is God and that he came to exegete and explain God to a thirsty world. See, he came to a world that was seeking to quench its spiritual thirst in idolatrous and superficial bootleg ways. See, he came to exegete and explain God to a spiritual world, to invite us into something deeper. He came as the spiritual Gatorade that your soul needs. My question as we get in, are you drinking from the spiritual Gatorade? So let's look at that. Jesus is the spiritual Gatorade to quench that deep down spiritual thirst. So let's explore. Let's look at the thirst a little bit. Let's, let's look at some of the, the fact of how we could be thirsty today. All right. Our thirst, if you look at verse 37a, the context of the beginning of uh, verse 37 can be found in chapter 7, verse 2, where it says the Jewish festival of shelters was near. It's important to understand this text. You've got to understand the context. And so here's what we have here. The context of this is the festival of the booths. You might have heard it as the festival of tabernacles. Okay, so it's tabernacles or booths. It commemorated the shelter of Israel during their years in the wilderness after God delivered them from Egypt. So he delivered them through the Red Sea. They're walking the wilderness and they had these shelters and they celebrate the festival of tabernacles or booths to remind themselves of the wandering years where God was providing for them. Okay, this, this festival, it lasted seven days, and the eighth was to be a solemn assembly where no work was to be done. Now, it's significant to notice and point where, when this happens. It happened the harvest, uh, dur- after the harvest and preparing for the new season of planting. So they had just reaped a harvest. They're celebrating the festival of, of tabernacles or booths, and they're getting ready to plant again to prepare for a new season of harvest. Okay, That's when this is happening. So during the festival, they would do two things. Okay, this is, the, this is the context of what they were doing into which Jesus steps. They're doing two things during this festival. They're remembering and they're anticipating. Okay, someone say remembering and anticipating. Okay, this is key for this as we work through this. They're remembering this. The people would look back at God's provision in a thirsty land. Okay. So they would remember how the Lord provided them in the history of their wilderness wanderings. If you remember the rock, that they were thirsty, and they were wondering where were they going to get water, God says, Moses, strike the rock. That first time, he struck the rock, and what came out? They're remembering how God did an unlikely thing in the wilderness to provide for them. See, but the unlikely thing made the people dependent upon him to look to him, and he brought satisfaction in an unlikely way. Y'all tracking? All right, we're setting this up here. Now, also, in that immediate context of that day, as they're celebrating into which Jesus lived and breathed and steps, it says it was the Gihon stream was the stream that would provide the water and the nourishment for the land. The Gihon stream wasn't quite enough to provide water for the region, so they had to be dependent upon God to provide water in the midst of the limitations of their present streams. God, we need you to bring some rain so that we can have another harvest. 
See, they reap the harvest from God's provision for the land. Then they're in another thirsty place. God had them specifically and, and moved in such a way in the land where they would have to depend on him in the thirsty place for another harvest. Okay? So they're remembering historically God's provision so that they're, when they do this, the, 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 the festival, they're faced with their limitations and saying, I don't know how you're going to do it, but we've seen you do it then. We know you can do it again. Okay? When it didn't seem possible in the, thirst, in the thirsty land, this reminded them that God is able. They, this kept them dependent upon the thirst quencher. So they wouldn't just remember, now they're going to anticipate. They're anticipating. What, what is it that they would anticipate? They, the people would look forward to God's provision for water with the rain for the next crop, and they would also look forward to future salvation. Okay, don't miss this part. Come with me to Ezekiel 47. Come with me to Ezekiel 47 real quick here. I'm going to show you this. Ezekiel 47, we'll be, we'll just look real quick at 1, 7 through 9. Y'all, y'all with me? We got to set this up. Y'all with me? Yeah? It's okay to talk back. Amen. Amen. All right. So look at this. Ezekiel 47. This is a significant passage. Passage I'm going to highlight real quick. This is some of the stuff that they would be anticipating. You've got to, got to walk in the shoes of the people that were anticipating these things. They were remembering, anticipating. They were, they were participating. So, so let's come out of kind of our situation for a moment. We'll get there and come into the text of the experience into which Jesus stepped. So we know they're remembering. Now let's look at what they're anticipating. 47 verse 1. Then Ezekiel says, the Lord says through Ezekiel, then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple and there was water flowing. Don't miss this. Water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east for the temple faced east. Where's the water coming from? From the temple going towards east. So it's from the temple, from the temple. It's coming, flowing from under the threshold. Okay. Now go go to verse 7. Go to verse 7. When I had returned, I saw a very large number of trees along both sides of the riverbank. He said to me, this water flows out to the eastern region and goes down to the Arabah. When it enters the sea, the sea of what water? Foul water. The water of the sea becomes fresh. Every kind of living creature that swarms uh, that swarms will live wherever the river flows, and there will be a huge number of fish because this water goes there. Since the water will become fresh, there will be life everywhere the water flows. Life. So this, 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 this streams of water is going to flow from the threshold of the temple, moving down. And everywhere it goes, it's going to take the foul water and make it fresh. Since the water is fresh from this river, fish will live in it. Life will come from it. That's what this water from under the threshold of the temple does. Okay, now go, to, now go to Zechariah 13 real quick. I love this book. This is what I named my son after Zechariah. Um, 
Go with me real quick to, to Zechariah. We're going to be in uh, thir- 13 verse 1. Okay? 13 verse 1. Here, here's, what, here's what we have in Zechariah. In 13 verse 1, it says this. On that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the residents of Jerusalem to wash away sin and impurity. So there's going to be something that happens. We'll get there. Where the the fountain will open up and flow. It's going to gush. The fountain's going to gush. It's going to wash away sin and impurity. That's what they're looking at. They're thinking about the day when the water beyond the Gihon is going to flow and they're going to be fully satisfied in God's provision. They're going to experience life and it's going to produce purity. Life, purity. Okay? So they're, what are they doing there? Remembering and anticipating. That's what they're thinking as they're coming into the festival of tabernacles. So the way they would celebrate this, now we get to the practical pragmatics of how they would celebrate this, okay? Sometimes spiritually, it's important for your body to be in motion with God would have to remember you, to remind you of something, so it helps you out. This is not in the notes, but let me just, this is for free here. Those who have wrestled with depression, isn't it helpful sometimes to get outside and take a walk? Because sometimes we're whole people. Your body needs to participate with what God says is good. When you do that, you begin to experience something to which God designed for you to experience. Okay? All right, y'all tracking? So they're doing a festival. Their bodies are participating with something that would help them remember and anticipate. Okay? So they're doing this. Here's what they would do. Each day of the festival, a priest would take a golden pitcher down to this Gihon stream, fill it with water as people chanted this verse. Here's what they would say as the priest is going down to the Gihon stream and filling this golden pitcher up. They would say, Isaiah 12, 3, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. With joy. They had a choir singing. See, they, 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 they had the choir singing. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And they're thinking about, they're anticipating that day when this stream will come and provide life and what else? Purity. Cleansing. So they're saying this, and, 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 and as he is doing this, the people would be carrying branches and reciting Psalms 113 through 118. And on the seventh day, they would do this water ceremony every day. The priest would go down, come back up with the choir singing, and they were shouting and having a good time, and, and the priest would come and pour it on the altar. They did that water ceremony once a day for for six days, and then on the seventh day, they did it seven times. You think they got familiar with these rhythms, right? They got familiar with the rhythms, and so they, they were anticipating the day as they poured it. 
They were anticipating that day when the rivers wouldn't run dry and we would have sufficient resources. But until that day, there was a, the, the thirsty land was there and they were having to remember God's provision and anticipate his faithfulness, his salvation. And it's on that last day, text says, verse 37, go to 37, verse, the, the first part of verse 37. On, that, on the last and most important day of the festival. In other words, it's probably pointing to the culmination of this festival. They, they, they'd been drawing water and doing the water ceremony and being reminded, they're remembering, they're anticipating, they're doing this over and over and over and over. And as a result, it's on the last day as they culminate all the water ceremonies. It's interesting that into Jesus steps into that context. I love how God gave the people the festival to remember and anticipate his past and future provision in the midst of the thirsty present. Here's why. The festival was a reminder of their need for God's provision in a dry and thirsty land. Let me put it this way. I love how God can use thirsty circumstances in our life to remind us that these circumstances in and of themselves can't quench your spiritual thirst. Are y'all scared of the thirsty places? That's real. Honesty is the key to growth. <laughs> and this is what, what we have here. I, I remember, let me get, make it plain. When we as a family, we realize, you know, we're like, oh, we got some diabetes in the family. Um, we should decrease some of our sugar intake. And in order to decrease our sugar intake, what we have to do, we got to get rid of some of the sugars out of our house. So we got rid of the sugar out of our house, not all of it, but we got a lot of it that we were normally doing. And it's interesting that as we got rid of that sugar, it was frustrating. Y'all ever done it? You try to lower your sugar? Here's, Here's what I would do. When we began that process, after dinner, I was lingering in the kitchen. Why was I lingering in the kitchen? I was looking for something. I would open the refrigerator, I would do this, and I'd try to look behind the counter, did we forget to take out some of them chocolate chips? I would look behind the counter, do I got some of my root beer in there? Like, I would literally try to, I would linger because my body had been accustomed to feeding my thirst with some bootleg things that my body really didn't need and actually was probably dangerous for me if I have that history. Now watch this. Eventually, as I was working through that and the frustrating moments of the thirsty place, I actually started to grab for some of the healthy food that my wife had purchased. And as I began to eat that food, what happened? I started, my taste buds started to change. Not only that, but I noticed my my body felt a little different. I had a little more strength. Why? Because the sweets were a nice satisfaction for a moment, but it always made me tired. I lacked energy, but the moment the thirsty place got me to a place where it was frustrating. But what it did is God used that to show me your body is not getting what it needs. And I needed some healthy food so my body could be quenched with the deep nutritional needs that it needed. 
And this is what God does in the thirsty places, family. He allows thirsty places to happen so you can begin to see the unhealthy deficiency of the other stuff you've been feeding on. And you can start learning again to yearn for the living God. Thirsty places. See, thirsty circumstances are an opportunity for you to learn afresh how to look to El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient God who knows how to quench your deepest thirst. And so here's, as we get back, he's, he's, he's inviting us to say, man, in the thirsty places, I'm doing something. And look, 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 look what happens, look what happens, look what happens. And it says, on the last and most important day of the festival, okay, he's, John's getting ready. John's doing something here. Don't miss what he's doing. On the last and great day was talking about the culmination of the ceremony. But if you know John's gospel, John has a lot of literary devices to point to you something about Jesus that's significant. Y'all tracking? He would use irony, allegory, metaphor. Here, what could very possibly be seems to be a double entendre, meaning there's two meanings from one word. In other words, he's saying not only in the culmination of the day, but he's pointing to something called that we would see as the last days. The last days sparked when Jesus came the first time, and he's coming again. In between that phase is the last days. In other words, if I can make it plain, it's when what they were anticipating in the future kisses the present. On the last day, in other words, get ready, because all that stuff you've been anticipating about drinking deeply, about life and purification, get ready, because on the last days, in other words, heaven's about to kiss earth to satisfy what you've been anticipating. See what I'm saying? Thirsty places will get us frustrated, but God is preparing something for you to learn how to be satisfied in him again. This is what, so when, when Jesus, it's, 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 John says, on the last day, here's the invitation. Jesus stands up. Y'all get it? See, see, they're pointing to some. Something's about to happen. Get ready. Don't sleep on what's about to happen. Jesus stood up and he cried out. See, it's interesting. When it says Jesus stood up and cried out, this is a loud yell. It's a shriek, okay? I, I got four kids, and they're not quiet. I understand loud yells, especially from our youngest, a four-year-old. <laughs> She's the loudest of them all. But there, there's loud yell. This is what's happening. Now, contrast this with when his brothers wanted him to go down, they were trying to create a human-engineered way for Jesus to build his kingdom. Jesus, go publicly. This is the beginning of chapter 7. Go publicly because if you don't go public, people ain't going to follow you. How are you going to build your following your kingdom? Jesus, this text says, went secretly to this festival. He went secretly because he was like, I'm going to sleep on your human engineered way to try to satisfy the thirst of people. I'm not going to do it the way you want me to do it because you don't know the deep down spiritual thirst that people have. So in contrast to the secrecy, at the right time, Jesus stood up and cried. Y'all crabbing? He's, he's yelling this to everybody that is in ear shot from his voice. What is he crying out? What is he crying out? He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come. 
Let him come. I wanna, this, this invitation for the thirsty to come is not isolated to this text. This has been an invitation that God has been seeking to invite his people to so that the world might also be invited to this. Look at, look at what Isaiah says. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 2. Isaiah 55, 1 through 2 says this. Come, everyone who is thirsty, come to the water, and you without silver, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without silver and without cost. Why do you spend your silver on what is not food and your wages on what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and you will enjoy the choices of food. See the language he uses there? The, the, the prophets draw you in and challenge you and encourage us with the language. Come. Why are you spending all your efforts? Why, why are you sticking with all these other false gods in idolatrous ways? Why, why are you spending all your food, Isaiah says to the people of God. He says, if you, if you come and respond to the invitation of Yahweh, if you come and respond to the invitation, you will eat of the choicest of foods. Some translations say the, the, the fat. Y'all know my steak lovers, right? Mo cooked me a nice steak last night. You know, you have the, the sometimes you got to have the right amount of fat, right, on your steak. Because why the fat adds some flavor to it. He's trying to say, if I can put it this way, when you ain't being satisfied in what God provides, um, yeah, you, you ain't going to be satisfied. Something came to my mind and I forgot it. I'm like, ugh. But when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're doing that, oh, you, you're going to have a tasteless piece of meat. It may satisfy for a moment. You're like, yeah, I got some nutrition. I got some good stuff. But without God's way of satisfying, he says, you're going to have some tasteless food. He invites us to have a feast that will satisfy your spiritual thirsts. See, because there's a spiritual thirst that God alone can satisfy. It's the God-shaped vacuum of which the teacher uh, uh, teaches in Ecclesiastes. It is a God-shaped vacuum. that It doesn't matter how many other things you run to. It will not satisfy you. So for this, this, this to happen, for you to begin to experience this satisfaction, you need to drink from the right source. This is why Jesus says, he doesn't just say, let him come. What does he say? What's the text say? What's that? Come and drink. From who? Bam. Don't miss this. He stands up. It's kind of like, can you imagine them? If he says, if anybody's thirsty, let him come. Okay. Those that are in the hearing, we remember God doing that invitation constantly to come to him. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, let him come to me. Do y'all see how crazy that is? They're like, hold on, hold on, Jesus, Jesus. We know who you are. You're Joseph's son. You're the son of a carpenter. We know you're from Nazareth. Ain't no Messiah come from Nazareth. What are you talking about? Come to me. That kind of can feel blasphemous. 
But Jesus stands up when they're anticipating that reality of salvation. He says, let him come to me. Let him come to me. See, and so the question is, well, how? How is it that when Jesus says, let him come to me, how can Jesus satisfy their deeper thirst? So let's, let's go here. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 38 it gives us that answer. It says this in verse 38. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Okay. This translation could be right. Oh, uh, yeah, perfect. They keep that up. CSB translation on this could be right. It's not necessarily wrong. But I think, based on some other modern-day scholars and some of the early church fathers, I think this translation doesn't do the text the best justice, nor the context of John. Okay, let's get that next slide up. Here's what's happening. That, that text in CSB seems to be, says, come to me and drink, and anybody who looks to me will be satisfied. Don't look at the text yet. That, I'm going to get there in a second. Look at me real quick. The emphasis of the CSB gets at the fact of it's going to be the experience of who? The believer, right? Doesn't it allude to that? And that, that could be right. That is right. It's going to be later on in verse 39, though. But don't miss what's going on in verse 38. I think Gary Burge puts it this way. He says this in his commentary, and, and then I'll read the NLT. I think this is probably a little bit more of a better translation in light of what Jesus is doing here. Look what it says. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And if he believes, remember, John is all about belief. Okay, there's an emphasis of belief in John based on what you see and the, the stuff they're pointing to about Jesus. If he believes, let him drink. Okay? As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from his belly. See, the emphasis here, let me read the NLT that I'll get into. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his belly. Heart. In other words, look at Gary Burgess. I like his. Let him come to me, and if he believes, let him drink. See, sometimes here's the thing. If you don't have a clarity about who Jesus is, and if you're not seeing him and responding by faith, you, your drinking will be misdirected. Y'all see that? So he zooms in. He says, look, if he believes that based on who Jesus is, come and drink. Because you're going to learn where you drink from. Get the right source. John is emphasizing and Jesus is amplifying who Jesus is. And then he says, just like the scripture said. See, come to him and drink. Because the scriptures had said that living water is going to flow from Christ's belly. It's going to flow from Christ. The reason this is significant is because in John chapter 2, it highlights Jesus as the new temple. Other places in the gospel, Jesus says this. He says, destroy this temple that took all these years, destroy it, and in three days I'll resurrect it. What was he talking about? His body. His own resurrection. See, Jesus is saying, y'all are doing all these festivals and ceremonies waiting for the water to flow from the temple that you think is going to satisfy you. But that temple was a pointer. A trailer to the, belt, to, to the rivers of life that are going to flow, that Jesus says, from me. See, 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 all that stuff you were remembering. Remember that, the, the, the rock in the wilderness? <laughs> Come to me and drink. 
I'm God's satisfaction. I'm the Father's provision for the quenching of your soul. And remember, you're anticipating life and purity that will happen when it flows from the streams. Come to me because I'm going to provide life and purity for you. Come to me. He's getting their attention in the thirsty places where they had settled for certain things, but they still have the customs of that would help them remember. But see, he's trying to tell them what you've been anticipating is here. Don't miss me. See, we could be walking in religious routine all of our life. We could be going to Sunday, everything, everything, uh, every single Sunday, which you need to be here by God's grace when you're able every single Sunday. Amen. Um, let me help out the elders because that's one thing I pray for. At um, you need to be here every Sunday. But you could do that. You could serve. You could do all these things. But if you miss Jesus and who he truly is, if you're not learning to come to him to drink deeply of his life, of his purification of your life, you'll miss it all. And you will run to everything religious, everything worldly, to try to find an answer for that deep spiritual thirst. And Jesus says, can you now hear my invitation? Everything you've been anticipating can be found in me, he says. God, that's good news. That's so good news. See, in other words, he says, look, come to me and to experience that for which you've been waiting and yearning. Come to me to experience not only life and purification for your sins, but experience removal of your guilt. <sighs> Some of y'all been trying to learn how to walk with God. And you've been relying on your own effort. And then whenever you fall or you mess up, you, you, you feel like you've got to pay penance back to God. You feel like you've got to do something for God to like you again. Just because someone in your life that was supposed to reflect a, a, a fatherly or God-like whatever figure or relational reality has burnt you. And all of a sudden you're like, well, God, God, i got to get it right. No, no, you come to Jesus. You're getting it right won't purify you. He will. You're getting it right won't remove your guilt. He will. See what I'm saying? You come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Not only that, but he's the one who covers your shame. Some of y'all are living in shame right now. We're ashamed of who we are. We're living in the shame of the past. We're living in the shame of what someone told you. You should, whatever. You're living in an unhealthy shame. Now, conviction is good. Conviction's good. Don't, 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 don't do this. I'm going to give you motivation with that conviction. That will lead to the thirst. That's another empty thirsting. But some of y'all living in your shame. In your shame, come to Jesus. He covers it. He removes it. He knows how to deal with these things. Come to Jesus. And Jesus says, look, Jesus says, come to me. Enjoy being near to God. Think about that. When Jesus says, come to me, he says, you will have access and experience of the God of heaven and earth. You, you, you can have a captive audience with the God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who says, I want to speak to you. I want you to hear a little bit about who I am so you can know who you are when you come to Jesus. Spend some time with me. 
He says, come to me. Experience the richness of food, of fellowship with the living God. He says, but don't just come to me once a year. Don't just come to me when you pray the sinner's prayer. The text says, come to me, and if they believe, he who believes, she who believes, let them drink. The drink is in the tense that basically says it's an imperative that's not completed. He's telling you, it's not optional for the Christian life to come to him and not and only drink once. There's a disconnect in that. And it's sometimes like, let me, let me just say the sinner's prayer, I'll be with Jesus, then I'm going to say whatever I want to. And then you're like, ah, like Christianity doesn't work. It's because you ain't drinking. <laughs> you're spiritually water uh, uh, waterlogged. You can't run the race. You're sad. You don't know what to do. So part of it is because you're not coming to me to drink consistently. And you've run to all these other things to try to quench that thirst. See, we need this invitational imperative often because we're like the sheep of Psalm 23. You know, the text says, he leads me besides, what? Still waters. Doesn't that sound good? Here's what happens. Sheep don't know where to go to get still water. Sheep can get distracted and go over here and they forget that they need water. And he says the shepherd, as a, as a good shepherd, knows that you need water. He knows when you're spiritually thirsty and you've settled for the bootleg pursuits. So what happens? You might face a thirsty land. And in the thirsty land, God is saying that's a time for you to anticipate and remember it's the time when you can begin to say, I've settled for some things that won't satisfy my soul. That's why I'm running so much. That's why I don't know how to be still. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think I'm going to stay here for a minute. That's why some of us don't know how to be still. When you're still in a restaurant eating by yourself, what do you do? What's that? You think? Oh, you're an introvert, huh? <laughs> I'm looking at the people, and I'm like, wait, a person's not with me, so that feels kind of weird. I'm a little unsettled, so I'm going to look on my phone. How many of y'all do that? You, you look on your phone. See, we do that when we're sitting with people. When we're not sitting with people, we especially do it. Why can't we sit by ourselves, with ourselves, in the presence of the Lord? We run in because we we're not okay. He's saying, hey, I... I Come, Jesus says. Learn who I am so you can believe that the life and purifying salvation, waters, hope, forgiveness, removal of shame, removal of guilt, all of that comes when you come to me and you learn how to consistently drink from me. See, family, it gets, it gets at a... It's, it's, it's like this. Let me give some practical applications. Have you ever jumped on a social media with a specific purpose, and before you know it, 30 minutes have gone by, and you've forgotten why you came on? Ain't that crazy? We're kind of like that. We're like the sheep that get distracted, and we don't really know what we need. 
That's why it's good to be still because you say, God, right now I don't know what I need. You're not doing things the way I thought you were going to. This relationship isn't working the way it was. I've been working on my resume. I've been trying to make my post look a certain way because I just need you to do something. And you're running to the end of your rope and you've tried every single thing. Can you hear the, the, the invitation today and say, can you just sit with him and say, God, maybe there's something that I've been thirsting on and find, trying to find quenching of my thirst that I can't find here. What do you want to show me? Where am I not thirsting, finding satisfaction in you? See, some here, some of us here, we're engaging the thirst trap. Y'all know the thirst trap? Let me talk about the thirst trap for a minute, okay? I'm going to bring it beyond what sometimes the, the, uh, the, the, the vernacular can, the, the colloquialism. I'm going to bring it a little beyond that. But um, it's, to, it's when you're seeking to satisfy your thirst in ways that were never intended to quench your deepest spiritual thirst, okay? So some of us may be set, uh, settling or setting the thirst trap. Okay? You're deliberately seeking things, the career, that sexual look on your posts, that car, uh, that house, all to get those likes. And without even knowing it, you're caught up in the thirst trap with things that will never satisfy you. Some of us are trying to set the thirst trap, and it becomes our own thirst trap. Some here are scrolling into the thirst trap. During some of those vulnerable, feeling inadequate, disappointing, dry times of your life. I don't need to see a hand, uh, 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 hands there, but how many of y'all are scrolling the thirst traps? That's a, that's a challenging thing. But here, here see, it says you're, you're mesmerized. You're mesmerized by what you see, thinking that it will satisfy you. You're drinking from illicit ways of engaging things God created for his glory, and it depletes your ability to actually be satisfied in him and enjoy him on his terms. And if you're honest, it's impacting your marriage, your serving, how you engage other people. You may find yourself depleted, and you can't run. You can't wait to run to your thirst trap for a hit. Some of y'all will be tempted right when you leave this gathering to run to your thirst trap, to set your next thirst trap. And I want you to know, I want you to hear the invitation of Jesus today. It ain't going to satisfy you. Can't you just come to him? Can't you come to him and find satisfaction? He, I guarantee it may be frustrating for a little bit. You might not at that time. You know when you start reading your word, you get up, you start reading your word, you're like, ah, I don't want to do this. Y'all been there? Or am I the only one? You're like, man, I ain't getting nothing from this. You're like four chapters in. You're like, ah, I ain't getting nothing in this. But watch this. When you get through that fifth verse, that sixth verse, that chapter, God begins to do something in your soul. The thirst traps have increased today. The anxiety has increased today. So the invitation of Jesus has an opportunity to speak louder today. Can you hear him shouting, come to me, and if you believe, drink consistently from me. So the question is, he wraps up with this, the question is the how. Here's what he said. 
This is the part where he promises the believer to experience this deep thing. He says in verse 39, he said this about the spirits. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the spirits for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. See, the way you will experience this quenching reality of Christ is in like manner as the people of God did in the dry wilderness. When Moses struck the unlikely rock, water came out and satisfied the people. In like manner, when Jesus was struck on the cross, John specifically records when they pierced him that blood and water flowed out. John's getting us something from the belly of Jesus. See, see, he said, see, in the midst of it, Jesus, when he was struck, waters of living water and purification would flow and satisfy our thirst through the giving of his Holy Spirit. He didn't say, okay, remember only intellectually what I did. See, when he says, let me put this an orphan. When an orphan is adopted, is it just an intellectual thing? What, what begins to become true? Wait, wait, I really have a family? I, I, I belong? Wait, 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 hold up. And, and oftentimes, the tendency is to kind of push away from the family to avoid being hurt, which makes sense. If you've been hurt, I don't know if I can trust this. And then some of us are the, we, 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 we're all spiritual orphans. God saved us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, called us his children. We were predestined to be his children. We, we were, and, and so he brings us in, but today some of us have had some bad experiences of Jesus. We, we've, we've got pictures in this cult. Oh, my gosh, we could stay hours on that, right? Um, but we've, we've seen pictures of Jesus, or we've experienced things just enough to say, Jesus, I'll come to you for salvation, but I don't know if I could come to you in my most thirsty places because I really don't know. Are you going to satisfy me? Because you didn't do it like this before, and maybe he's saying because what you were seeking before is a thirsty place. And so, he, like, like the orphan, we kick against him. I don't know if I can trust you, Lord. What he does, he says, he says, I'm highlighting that I'm not going to let you down, Jesus says. You can come to me and drink consistently because I'm the one from whom this water flows. I'm not just bumping my gums about stuff. And John says, when he was pierced, he's like, whoa, the water actually flowed from him. See, family, Jesus can satisfy you. He can satisfy you in your dry places, but he does that through the experience of the Holy Spirit at work in you. This is what I love. When the orphan becomes at home, it, it's, he feels the love, the affections, the consistency. He, 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 he experiences that. So it goes from just an intellectual paperwork of I belong to, wait, wait, I actually belong. And it begins to change the child's life. And this is what Jesus says, I'm going to, the, the Holy Spirit, when I was struck, it's going to be poured out upon the people of God. So that the Holy Spirit in your thirsty times might cry out, as Paul says in Romans 8, Abba, Father, 
God, I don't know what you're doing right now. But, but the Spirit of God is saying, but you're mine. And I, I know how to satisfy you in this thirsty place. I know you've had messages given that you're not, you can't be complete until this, 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 until you got your degree. Until you're married, until you have kids, until you've taken that vacation, until you have that job, until you have that bag, until you have, until you have, until the world has given us messages all the time. And Jesus is saying, come to me because you belong to me if you're in Jesus Christ and I know how to satisfy you. Come to him in your thirsty moments. Let the spirit of God testify within you that you belong to God if you are in Jesus Christ. You belong to El Shaddai. That big word name that you're all sufficient. That's who God is. Come to him today. See, family, we, we may not be able to experience the fullness of when he comes again and fully sets up his, uh, his kingdom. In that Revelation 22 picture where the waters are running, there's no more sin, there's no more brokenness, there's no more pain, there's just being in his presence forever and ever and ever and ever. There's no more sun. There's only him and his glorious presence. We anticipate that day, but watch this. We may not be able to experience that fully in the here and the now, but there's enough from Jesus through the Spirit to drink deeply to satisfy you until he comes again. Do you believe that? He's saying, stop running today. Stop setting and jumping into thirst traps today. It's going to mess your life up. It's going to mess your relationships up. You will be a dysfunctional, spiritual person. And what he says later on, I'll wrap with this. John 20, Jesus says this. He says, receive the spirit of God to the disciples. And he blows on them. And he says, whatever has been bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever has been loosed in heaven will be, will have, have been loosed in heaven will be loosed in earth. In other words, however you steward the gospel, the way you steward the gospel will be influenced by how you drink deeply. If you're drinking deeply and you're experiencing the spirit of God who is able to show you the riches of Jesus Christ through his word, as you're praying, when you are walking in the spirit of God, you will serve one another freely. You will serve the community freely. You will steward the gospel correctly. We, there won't be that, that jerkism Christianity, that distorted sense of spirituality. Once again, the church will then be empowered and free to steward the gospel to those around us. Family, Jesus' invitation today is to move away from those thirst traps. Repent. Throw away the uncleanliness that came from idolatry. Come to him. And if you believe, thirst for him. Find satisfaction. Drink of him deeply. Can we do that? Can we pray? What, I, what I'd love to do, if possible, uh, Pastor Mo gave me the permission on this, is some of y'all, if we can get some keys, maybe. Yeah, you're getting ready. Here we go. Um, I know I need this in this season of my life. There, there's some thirsty places, some dry places in my life. And if I'm honest, I don't know how God's going to provide. I don't. 
And my, my wife, Fatima, and I were just talking the other day. In the midst of it, it's easy to let fear drive and grab for something prematurely. And so I'm up here because I need to learn every day how to remember and anticipate the fact that Jesus is able to provide and satisfy my thirst and give me hope that it's going to be better one day. But I want to learn to not turn to things out of fear and anxiety, out of a feeling of insufficiency, out of a place of vulnerability and not knowing what I'm going to do. I'm standing here. I want to learn more each day how to drink deeply from El Shaddai. And if you're in that place, I just want you to feel free to to stand and join me up here and Pastor Mo. Actually, he's on sabbatical. I'm sorry. Any other pastors or young ladies or or leader, women leaders in the church? I know this is kind of different. It might be vulnerable, but I think there's something that says when Jesus stood up and said, come to me, Sometimes when we stand up, we say, Jesus, I'm yours. Jesus, I love you. Now, if you come up here, it doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. I'm standing here with you. If you're at the place where you say, Jesus, I know that I've been settling for some thirst traps. Some of y'all are so ashamed of it that you don't even want to uh, stand. But watch, no one knows, but God does. And he says, don't stay in your shame. Come to me and drink deeply of me. Thank you all for your, for your boldness. Um, come to me. Let this be a time when you say, Lord, and it may, not, it may not change tomorrow, but it's an act of faith that says, Lord, I need you to help me to name what this thing is that I can't even fully name right now. Maybe some of y'all don't even know what it is, but you just feel unsatisfied in Jesus today. Maybe you're like, Jesus, I, I know you're good, but if I'm honest, I, I don't know if, I, if you really love me right now. I don't really know if you like me. Jesus, I've been hoping for this to bring me satisfaction, and you haven't done it. Today's the day just we can come forward with our stuff. Thank you for those and your, and your boldness. Um, we're going to pray in a minute here, but uh, if there's other uh, small group leaders or women, male or female leaders, uh, I think that's what, if, if y'all want to come forward and let's just grab some folk and pray. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pray in a minute here, but spend a minute with you and the Lord. Uh, I love the song says, oh, come to the altar. There's something physically, the fact that y'all have stood up and taken a step of faith as we do this together is an act that says, Lord, I want my body to participate in in an act of surrender. And so if you need to with you and the Lord, maybe just open up your hands, let your body participate in what the spirit of God is saying to you right now. With your hands, just just say, Jesus, I, I, I surrender to you. Take a minute. Take a minute just to be with him. Just to be with him. You and him right now. He knows all the stuff you're struggling with. He knows your pain. He knows why 
I was weeping two nights ago. He knows why you've been weeping. He knows why you've been frustrated. He knows all these things. Give it to him. Take a minute with you and him.